Thank you for joining us for today's Practical Living broadcast, and I pray that through this message that you will learn how to apply God's Word and truths to any situation in your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Today we are wrapping up a series entitled, How to Stay Sane in a Crazy World. I started to say how to stay crazy in a sane world, uh, but flipped it, we should stay sane in a crazy world, right? Is, is what we're talking about together. We've been looking at a number of these passages and uh, principles as we're looking at the fact that obviously we're living in a world that's very broken right now globally. We have all kinds of issues that we're dealing with, the war in the Middle East, the war in Ukraine, the instability of nations around the world. Domestically, we have problems and issues. Maybe you have some crazy things going on in your life. How do you stay sane in a crazy world? It was extremely important that as Christian believers, we understand that God has called us and equipped us to stay sane. Now, when I'm talking here about sanity, I'm not talking so much about mental, uh, your mental capacity in the sense of mental sanity or mental health, although it certainly applies at some level to that. I'm talking about just the chaotic aspect of our world and the chaotic aspect of our minds many times. And the Bible is very clear that God wants to help you to think the right way and to stay sane, to stay out of the craziness of the world around us. Take a look at what the Apostle Paul speaks to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, where he says, For God, he's talking to Christians, to you and me, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a... You know, we often talk about God not giving us the spirit of fear. It's worthy of us talking about. It's a very vital principle for us to understand. We talked about God giving us power, the Holy Spirit's power. We talked about the importance of love. But I want to draw your attention that Paul says God has also given us the spirit of a sound mind, that our thinking needs to be sound. Now, a sound mind, sound thinking really comes by living Jesus' principles in your life, the principles of God's Word and being equipped by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and growing in your understanding of God and your relationship with God. But a key part of remaining sane in your life involves healthy relationships. And that's the word I want to talk to you about this weekend. I want to talk to you about how to stay sane in a crazy world by focusing your attention on the relationships of your life. Because one of the major causes of craziness in our world today is relationship distress. Have you ever said something like this? That person drives me crazy. And why do we use phrases like that? Because people have an effect upon us and they, they sort of make our world chaotic and they do drive us crazy sometimes. Now, perhaps you haven't thought about it, but it's likely that you drive somebody crazy also. Okay. And so craziness is a part of our relationships. And the relationships of your life, the health of your relationships, or the toxicity of relationship on both ends of that continuum have an impact upon your health. I read one study from Harvard Health, and they made this, they did some research on the, just the power of relationships in people's lives, and they found out that the level of your social connection and the health of your social connection has a long-term effect upon your health. In fact, they studied over 300,000 people in a particular study and found out that those who had good, healthy, solid relationships and social connections in their life, they reduced their risk of premature death by 50%. 
And those that had poor relationships were far more likely to die earlier than others by 50% margin. And they compared the lack of social connection and healthy relationships to the equivalency of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. They, they equated it to obesity and lack of exercise. And it correlated similarly to those kind of things in life. And so we understand that your relationships are not just things that sort of happen or don't happen in your life and have no impact upon us. Our relationships really does do matter. And so this is no surprise to God at all. In fact, going back to the very first book of the Bible and the second chapter into the first book of the Bible, God made it very clear of the importance of relationships. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18 says this, the Lord God said, he's speaking of Adam here in this, in this part of the story, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, man here, obviously, uh, from this, Eve is made and woman is brought into the picture. But what I want you to see is after going through the entire chapter one and making all, creating all of these various aspects of creation, and God says, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then he comes to chapter two and he says, there's one thing that I see that's not good, and it's not good for people to be alone. It's not good for Adam to be alone, so I'm going to make him a help me. It's not good for people to be alone. So it's not just relationships that make your life better, but it's healthy relationships that make your life better. And this has an impact upon staying sane in a crazy world, who you surround yourself with. So I'm going to talk to you about three things today uh, regarding relationships that help us to stay sane in this crazy world. The first thing that you must do is know who to avoid in your life. I got a little snicker on that one. It's perhaps a little under the breath. Amen right there, okay? A significant part of building better relationships is a commitment to elimination. You have to eliminate certain people from your relationship world, and that's just as important as including certain people in your relationship world. I want to take you to some passages in the Bible that help us to understand the importance of excluding or eliminating certain people from our lives. For the last several weeks, we've been looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. I'm going to bring you back to that today, and we'll look at just a few more verses, because I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says about this. And he says, mark this, you're familiar with this passage, we've been looking at it. There will be, what kind of times? Terrible, Terrible times when? In the last days. We've talked a lot about this over the last several weeks. We are living in the last days. I think I've made that point very clear. The last days began when Jesus ascended back to heaven. The last days have continued for 2,000 years since that time. And we're moving even further toward the last of the last days, perhaps even the last of the last of the last days. We don't know when Jesus is coming back again, but we are living in the last days. Our world is not going to continue forever. And the Bible says, Paul says, mark this, be aware of this. There are going to be some terrible times when in the last days. We can expect perilous, terrible violent, fierce, demonic times in the last days. Now, here's something that I'd never quite noticed before in studying this passage. I want you to notice the very next word after Paul says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. What is the next word that he brings into his paragraph? People. People. Isn't that interesting? 
He doesn't say there will be terrible times in the last days. Watch out for wars and rumors of wars and be careful about earthquakes and all these terrible things and climate change and X, X, Y, and Z. He says, no, in the last days there are going to be terrible times and I want you to know that it has to do with people. What about these people? It says people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Please read the last sentence with me. Have nothing to do with such people. The original Greek here for have nothing to do is very, very strong. It emphasizes the idea of turning away completely from them to avoid these kind of people. Paul says in the last days, you're going to be surrounded with people that you don't need to include in your life. Because this, this group of people, these kind of folks, can have an adverse effect upon you and they can pull you in to a, ne- a very negative experience in your own life. There's some people that need to be eliminated from your life. And here we see, I don't have time today to go into all the descriptions of this. I hope that you'll go back home today and read all the different characteristics that are outlined here. But they're very, very clear characteristics, in fact, of what we see in our day. And the Bible says, folks like this, we're to have nothing to do with such people. Now, let's take a look at a few other passages. Look at Romans chapter 16. In verse number 17, Paul writes and says, I urge you, again, very strong Uh, terminology here by Paul. I urge you, brothers and sisters, so he's talking to us, to watch out for those who cause what? Divisions. Watch out. Pay attention. Keep your spiritual radar in place. Watch out for those who cause divisions and put, what else? Obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. So Paul says, be on the lookout. Watch out for anyone who creates a spirit of division and be aware of the people coming along who would like to put an obstacle in the way that you're living your life and to cause you to live contrary to the teachings of God's Word. And then notice again, what does he say? Keep away from them. So now we've seen two passages very strongly reminding us that certain people need to be eliminated from our social circles, from our intimate friendships. Let's take a look at a few others. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, do not be yoked together. That word yoke emphasizes its agricultural term. Uh, back in this particular day, Paul's day, in the agricultural society, oxen were, were yoked together with a wooden yoke to be able to pull a plow or pull a wagon, whatever it might be. And so it was very important that you hooked up the right two animals together that could work together. And so Paul says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness obviously these are somewhat rhetorical questions what do righteousness and wickedness have in common obviously nothing what fellowship can light have with darkness no fellowship because the absence of 
light is darkness and the absence of darkness is light. When you can't fellowship together. They don't work in, in tandem. And so he says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Let's take a look again at another passage here in the book of Proverbs. A gossip betrays a confidence, the Bible says, so avoid anyone who talks too much. That excludes a lot of people from your life, does it not? Okay. That might exclude you from some people's lives, okay? Amen, okay? Did you know the Bible talks about, about avoiding some people and excluding some people from your life? Now, let me quickly add, just as a caveat, it's just a reminder this morning, none of these verses imply or justify hatred toward anyone. They don't imply or justify being unkind to anyone or lovelessness toward anyone. They're just teaching us be very careful who you allow into your life because they have an impact upon your life. And so if you're going to stay sane in a crazy world, certain people need to be eliminated from your social circle. Why? Because they bring their world into your world. And if they have a crazy world, they'll bring their crazy world into your world. Amen? I'm going to use an illustration here this morning. I've used it before. Forgive me if you've seen it. But I think it's one of the most powerful illustrations that can help us to understand why this is so important. JJ, can I use you just for a second? Would you mind just walking up here? This is JJ. All right. So, yeah. His daughter gives him a hand clap. That's awesome. Good. <laughs> Love Dad. All right, good. So I want you to see, if, 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 if I have a relationship with J.J., and let's just, I know this is not true of you, J.J., but let's just say he was a person of the world, didn't know God, didn't love God, did not want to serve God, and I'm in relationship with him, grab my hand right here, over time, he's, is it easier, if I'm walking with God, is it easier for me to pull J.J. up on the platform with me? Or is it easier for J.J. For, to pull me down on the, pl- on the floor with him? Down, right? Okay. What does that say? That's, that, that's the idea. That if you have the wrong people in your life that you have close relationship with, don't be surprised if they have far more of an influence on you negatively than you'll ever have on them positively. Are you with me? And that does not mean that you shouldn't love and care for and witness to and show the love of Christ to them. And be friendly and nice to them, but you can't bring them into your inner world. They can't be your bud bud. Amen? They can't be your best friend, your best best, best bestie, okay? I don't know all the words nowadays, okay? okay. <laughs> they can't be that in your life because you, that person is going to have far more of a negative impact upon you than you realize. Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. Good. All right. Thank you. So it all starts... But knowing who to avoid. Let's go to the second thing today. Second principle for today. How to stay sane in a crazy world. You got to know what healthy relationships look like. You can't find what you're looking for unless you know what you're looking for. I'll say that again. You can't find what you're looking for unless you know what you're looking for. And so you can't find healthy relationships unless you know what a healthy relationship actually looks like, okay? So I want to lay out for you from a biblical perspective today what healthy relationships look like. What are the characteristics? What kind of people do you need to surround yourself with if you're going to stay sane? And I know that we all want to stay sane in this world. And so what are the kind of folks 
that we need around us. Let me give you eight characteristics. We'll go through these very quickly. Some of these are fairly similar to one another, so I'll kind of emphasize a few along the way and talk about them just briefly. But I want you to see some characteristics that are vital. First of all, you need to have people uh, in your life and surround yourself with people who love God and are pursuing God. If you want to stay sane in a crazy world, you've got to fill your life with people who love God and are pursuing, going after God, have a relationship or desire to serve God. The Bible says, what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Very similar to what we talked about a moment ago. Second of all, here's a second characteristic. Surround yourself with people who share your faith, your values, your guiding life principles and priorities. It's not just enough that they say, hey, I love God. I go to church. That's not enough. You need to find people who actually share the faith that you have in your life, your values, your guiding life principles and your priorities. Two people can say they love God, but have very different values. Are you with me? Okay. Oh yeah, I love God. I go to church. But just because somebody says they love God and they go to church doesn't mean that they have the same value system that you have or the same priorities that you have. Let me talk to to our, our single folks here today. You're unmarried and you'd like to get married at some point in time. I want to give you a wake-up call this this morning. You ready for this? Love ain't enough. Are you hearing me? Excuse the ain't. That's probably guess. That's an underscore. It is not enough. Because over a period of time, it's not that you don't love another person, continue to love them, but the emotions of love will wear thin. They just don't last forever. If you think they do, you've been deceived by the media. You've been watching too many movies. Okay. You've been on the Hallmark Channel way too long. Okay, okay. okay. Are you with me? Okay. Because everybody on the Hallmark Channel, they fall in love. And it's just forever and ever. Oh, it's so amazing. Okay. And I warn you because they're about to come on big time or the Christmas season. That does not last forever. It just doesn't last forever. Okay. And so at some point in time, what you build a life on is not an emotion. You build a life on a set of shared values and priorities. That's why we here at the church have something called preparation for marriage. And that's why we ask people who are getting married here at our church to go through the preparation for marriage class. Because in preparation for marriage, we take you through a discussion and exploration of what your values are and what your priorities are. Because these are the things that, build, that you build your life on. And so to, this is not just true in marriage, but in the closest friendships that you'll have in your life, there needs to be these shared elements. Look at what the scripture says. Paul writes to the Philippian believers and says, Then make my joy complete by being what? By being what? Like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. One translation says being one in spirit and purpose. That the purpose of your life is going in the same direction. Here's the third thing that is essential. Surround yourself. You're going to stay sane in a crazy world. Surround yourself with people who are encouragers. People who know how to build you up, who add value to your life. They're not always taking from you, but they're adding value to you. 
And there's some people that will show up in your life, and if you're not careful, they're like a vacuum cleaner. Man, they will drain you dry, okay? They don't have one hose. They got 20 hoses. And they just suck every bit of the life out of you, and they're always discouraging in their interaction with you. And this, this is not the kind of folks you need as the, most, as the closest associates of your life. The Bible emphasizes the importance of encouragement. Therefore, encourage one another, First Thessalonians 5.11, and build each other up, not tear each other down, but build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And so surround yourself with encouragers. What kind of folks do you need in your life? People who inspire and motivate you. People who are able to breathe into your world a sense of inspiration and a sense of motivation for you living a better and your best life. You and I need that from people who come our way. And so you need folks like that surrounding you. The Bible says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Then number six, you need people Yeah, number five, people who are forgiving, gracious, and safe. Why do you need people in your life who are forgiving, gracious, and safe? Because you're going to mess up from time to time. You're going to need grace from other people. And you need to know that you're safe in the relationship. That you can have, here's a key word, trust. That you're safe there. You don't want to build close friendships with people that you feel unsafe with. Because you're not sure if they can handle, they can forgive, they can be gracious in your life. Here's the sixth one. Actually, let me read this verse for you. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Here's the sixth thing. Everybody still with me so far today? If you're going to stay sane in a crazy world, it has a lot to do with people, the people you surround yourself with, right? 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 I'm going to keep saying right until you answer, okay? Right? Okay? Thank you. You need to surround yourself with people who understand and honor boundaries in your life. What is a boundary? A boundary is where my life exists and your life exists, and we have our separate worlds. We share our worlds, but we're also, we don't invade each other's Well, we don't dominate or try to control the other person. We honor their boundary. And you're you're able to allow someone to be themselves, and they're able to allow you to be yourself. Because if you're always pressing somebody to be somebody different, and you're invading their world, you're getting into their business all the time, it's going to be a stressful relationship, a stressful situation. And so the Bible is very very, uh, explicit about helping us to understand the importance of boundaries. God has given each one of us a will, and you and I need to honor uh, the will that we've been given and the will of other people. We don't invade boundaries. We honor the boundaries of another person. The Bible says love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring. The Bible says in honoring each other. Let's look at number seven. You need people in your life that you can count on. You know, it's so easy to gain friends when everything's going well, when you've got plenty of money and plenty of good things happening in your life. It's easy to attract people to your world when you are successful, when it appears that everything's going well. The real test of friendship is not when things are going well. The real test of friendship is when things aren't going so well in your life. Who's around you then? 
It's been said that a true friend comes into your life when everybody else walks out. I know true that is. That a real friend is a person that will show up in your world and be within you in your world even in the most difficult seasons of your life. They don't walk out on you when the bottom of the barrel drops out of your life. They're a faithful, reliable friend. The book of Proverbs talks about this in Proverbs 20 verse 6. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one that is truly reliable? If you find a reliable person that you can count on in your life, a friend like this, you should thank God for them. Why? Because they're rare. Okay. It's rare to find someone that will be with you through thick and thin. Here's the eighth thing that we need to understand. Surround yourself with people who are equally committed to the relationship. Okay. What I mean by that is every relationship there's, there's giving and taking. There's giving and receiving in every relationship. And so as I mentioned a moment ago, if you're doing all the giving and the other person's doing all the taking, you can't build a solid relationship. There needs to be a mutuality between both of you because both of you are committed. One of the things that we talk to married couples about, especially when they're going through marital problems, is I'm not sure I, w- I can handle this marriage. The first thing we try to drill down on in their lives is their level of commitment. Are you committed to working on this? And if both people will be fully committed to working on the relationship, there's a high chance of success that the marriage can work. But if one of those individuals is not committed or is compromised in their commitment, the chances are less for the marriage actually working. And so what, is, what makes a marriage work? Commitment is what makes a marriage work. What makes a friendship work? Commitment is what makes a friendship work. But it has to be mutual commitment. Paul speaks of this in Romans. Look at what he says here in Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to what? Mutual edification in our lives. So what I want to say to you is this. These are the kind of people you need to be looking for. You're not going to find them until you know what you're looking for. You should study this list of eight characteristics in these scriptures. Because these are the kind of folks you want to surround yourself with. In fact, you don't need to do it now, but if you were to do so and go back and if we were to review all eight of these characteristics, I would ask you this question. How much saner would your life be if you had people in your life like this? Your life would be a lot saner if you had people in your world that, that, that had these qualities of relationship about them. So this is, this is what we're pursuing. This is what we're looking for. Now, here's the third and final point today, okay? Here we go. Read it with me. So I just teased you a bit about wanting those kind of relationships, right? Right? Do I have to keep saying right today? Is this going to be a thing today? Okay, it's okay. So here's the thing. You've got to be what you're wanting. Okay. This is important. Because here's what happens many times. What we want, we say, okay, those eight things, that's the kind of friend. That's the kind of spouse. That's the kind of person I need. I need a bunch of people like that in my life. And you go out looking for them, thinking they're going to fix everything for you because you're messed up. So you want to find someone who isn't messed up who will help you not be messed up anymore. Okay. 
And so we call those relationship rescuers. I need somebody that's all perfect. They've got their act together because I don't. But if I get them into my world, then my life can be better. I can find someone who will heal me and someone who will satisfy me and someone who will love me and someone who will make me whole. We're looking for people like that to fix us. And here's, here's what I want you to see today because I'm about to flip everything I just said in number two back around to you in number three. Because if you're looking for somebody to fix you and you're looking for somebody to heal you and you're looking for somebody to be your savior, be your rescuer, I want you to know that they don't exist. I'm going to show you why they don't exist. They certainly will not come into your world. And the reason they will not come into your world is a basic, basic principle. And I'm going to write it on the board for you. Here's the principle. Read it with me. Like attracts like. What do I mean by that? I, someone said, well, I thought opposites attracted. Well, yeah, in some sense, there's a, maybe personality situations where opposites attract. But basically, overall, when it comes to the real people that you connect with in life, it's like that attracts like. What I mean by that is this. Unhealthy people will always attract unhealthy people into your life. And healthy people will attract healthy people in your life. If you love God and love His Word and you have a certain set of priorities that you're living your life by and a value system that's well-defined for you, then there are certain people that will be attracted to you and certain people that will be repelled from you. Because if you really love God, there are certain people that don't want to be around you. They don't want to build a relationship with you because they realize that this is not where I'm going. And so there's a natural repulsion or a pushing away from even. It's actually a protective element for your life to keep the wrong person or wrong people out. On the other hand, if you're unhealthy and you're needy and you're always trying to get fixed in your life, you're going to attract someone that will either be, uh, have those same issues going on in their life or they'll be uh, codependent in the way they interact with you and it's not going to help you at all. And so like attracts like. Healthy people attract healthy people. Unhealthy people attract unhealthy people. It's very clear. And so this means this for each one of us. The best way to have better healthier friendships and friends is to become a better, healthier person ourselves. Okay. This is the deal. Okay. This is why it's important to understand. Paul said, be careful of these people. Don't be like them. Avoid them. Don't let this be the characteristic of your life because like attracts life. And when you fix you, in many ways, you fix people who are attracted to you. You completely change the game when it comes to that. Let me show you a scripture passage and we're going to be done today. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Don't be misled. Don't get off track here. Don't let somebody deceive you. There's another translation of this. Don't be deceived. No one makes a fool of God. One translation says don't mock God. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will what? Maybe you know it this way. Whatever a man sows, that 
he will also reap. Whatever a person plants, he will harvest. You cannot take tomato seed and put it in the ground and expect cucumbers. I don't care how much you fast and pray, okay? I don't care what you do. You've got to speak to it every day. In the name of Jesus, be a cucumber, okay? When it comes up from the ground, it's going to be a tomato, okay? Why? Because there's a law written into the structure of this earth. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. Like reproduces like. Whatever is in the seed will be what you harvest. You can't separate that out. It's true in your life. So it says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. Whatever a person plants or sows, he will reap or harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests the crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. All I wanted you to see from that passage is that there's a key principle that like reproduces like. What we sow is what we reap. So I would challenge you today, how do you stay sane in a crazy world? Think about your relationships. Think about your relationships right now. How many relationships in your life right now are making you crazier than you need to be? Who do you need to avoid in your life? Not unloved, not be unloving or unkind to, but people that you need to kind of eliminate from the inner social circle of your life because of the influence they're having upon you. Understand what a healthy relationship looks like. Study these characteristics. Be aware of them. And then turn it around on you and say, how can I be what I want? Because if I will be what I want, then what I want will be drawn and attracted to me. Would you bow your heads together as we pray today? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We're so grateful that you give us clear understanding of so many different principles of life, including the principles of relationships. Father, sometimes we find ourselves being pulled down into situations and circumstances because of just the people we surround ourselves with. Lord, while you want us to be loving and kind and caring to all people, Lord, we also need to make sure that we're allowing the right people to have the influence of our life, the strongest influence in our life. So I pray that you'll speak very clearly to us and help us to get these areas of our lives adjusted where they need to be so that we can stay sane in this crazy, terrible world that we're living in today. Help us to understand what a good friend looks like. and Help us to be that kind of person so we'll attract people like that to us. For your glory and for your honor, we ask it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. 
I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.